Hello and welcome to our brand new podcast, Lost for Words. Today we'll be interviewing European tour professional Chris Paisley. Thanks for joining us, Chris, again. Um, I've taken up enough of your time over the years, uh, last couple of years indeed. Um, but obviously, quite different circumstances this time around. Yeah, yeah, it's um, very strange times for the world, isn't it? Yeah, so it's kind of one of those ones where I always sort of say to you, oh, yeah, taking up an hour over half of your time, I'll sort of let you go. And Whereas this time, you, you know, obviously it's still valuable time, but it's, it's one of those things where, you, you know, you, you can't play golf at the moment and practice and things that you normally would. Yeah, yeah, I mean, um, we're actually, so far in Orlando, we, we still can actually play. Um, yeah, I've got a feeling we'll be we'll be on full lockdown soon, and we've been kind of self-isolating anyway. You know, there is a, we are under a stay-at-home order, so we are kind of slightly restricted, but, um, you know, I've, I could go out and play play some golf um, if I wanted, but it's kind of just been a strange time with, you know, all the events being postponed and all that, so... Yeah, it's definitely one of the quietest kind of periods I've had for a long time. Yeah, I mean, how much do you miss playing golf and practicing and and, and the touring life? Um, I don't know that I miss it yet, um, because it's kind of it's almost since I've played my last event, it's been what a couple of weeks, and if I had a long break, I would generally take you know maybe a few weeks off anyway. Um, so at the moment, it doesn't feel too different, but I think you know a few months in it's going to be it will be tough and um i mean i already do realize how lucky you know i am to be able to travel the world playing golf and i do there's definitely more appreciation there of of um just being able to do that stuff and just go out and practice whenever you want and all that um but in terms of actually missing the golf so far i'm, I'm not actually missing it i'm having a really good time uh you know hanging out with my daughter and and wife and i've got a few projects at home that i'm kind of catching up with but you know I certainly in you know as this thing seems to be getting worse and the longer we're kind of stuck at home I'm sure it'll you know really start to miss it and that's the thing is, is you know I didn't want to call it a a positive in a, in a time like this but obviously being able to spend some time with your family is is a lot it's lovely isn't it and you know you don't get a mm-hmm. chance to do that too often I know you said there that you do take a few weeks off at a time with the situation of playing European tour and living in Orlando but it's just the uncertainty of not knowing when the next tournament's coming up. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, um, yeah, yeah, I'm, we are trying to look at the positives of it all. Um, yeah, I put this on Twitter uh, last week sometime, I think, to talk about a book that I'd read um, last year, and uh, The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. And yeah. it's basically all about, um, you know, kind of turning obstacles on their head and, and seeing situations for what they are and um seeing things logically and and not kind of attaching too much emotion to them so i think that's been a really helpful kind of thing you know to i haven't kind of gone back and reread it yet but you know the, those kind of principles have been really helpful at, at a time like this where you know you are you know everyone's kind of just put in this situation there's nothing you can really do about it you know you you've just got to make the most of it and um and you know that's what you know, at least so far, I've just thought you know, it's a great chance to really get to spend some quality time with my family, and because um, that is obviously one of the downsides of, of the job that I do, where we travel a lot. I get to, I do miss a lot of, um, you know, the kind of milestones and stuff like that. But you know, for the for the foreseeable future, I'll be able to spend uh, as much time as I want with Ella and, and Kerry. So, you know, that's um, that's huge. 
that's it isn't it you know there's a lot of times where the sort of sound bites come out you've got to stay positive and you know you've got to see the bright side of things and and that kind of wears thin after a little while when when you've been stuck inside i mean like you say it's only been a couple of weeks which you're used to being at home anyway uh, yeah you know we we in england have only been you know on lockdown for a week uh, mm-hmm. so for a lot of us it's kind of a bit of time off work and nice to you know do jobs in the house and but yeah. it's such a strange feeling not being able to almost go out now that you, you feel guilty just taking your one a day exercise and uh especially is nice for you i suppose to have kerry and, and Ella there that you can kind of relax at home uh yeah. and, and yeah. enjoy those side of things whereas you know a lot of people you know there are a lot of the touring pros there that kind of live on their own or you know yeah very much isolated yeah. on their own at this time so yeah i mean i'd say in terms of you know how much our life has been affected so far by this it's i mean we're so lucky because i mean you know number one in like i said in this these last two weeks when i've been home i'm not doing that much different to what i normally would be um and also you obviously you've got the kind of the financial side of it where you know obviously i can't go and earn any money for potentially a long time um but as i think most golfers are like this you know we we kind of have to build build into our kind of financial plan there might be a period where we don't make money you know obviously usually it would be through either injury or just a big loss of form you know i've had periods where i've gone months without making a cut and um so i think you know for a lot of golfers and for certainly for me i've i've built a period like this into my my plan so there's no like for like fortunately for me there's no stress from from that point of view um whereas obviously there's a lot of people kind of really struggling back home and well across the world because of this whole thing and um you know we're we're just so fortunate that you know we're not being affected in that way and um you know you hear some of the stories that are kind of happening at the moment it's just uh it's just horrible isn't it yeah i mean that, that was the thing i was going to say i mean i put a tweet out um when it all started really and sort of said that a lot of people won't realize that there are golfers out there and and football players and people like that that they're not making any money at this time at all that sort of uh, mm-hmm. they sort of rely on those earnings and i kind of got shot down a little bit you know don't worry about sportsmen you know it's the everyday mm-hmm. people and things like that but there are you know not everybody's uh, a million dollar earner every year you know it's, it's exactly. not as easy as that is it so no no i mean i've got i know a lot of people that you know they're really good young players that you know i've been trying to make it and you know you know what it's like on the the mini tours, you know, Alps Tour and Euro Pro and, and even Challenge Tour. You know, you can be playing some really good golf and still be losing money. So you know, you've got those guys that, and just and many many more that, you know, really can't afford to to not be earning anything. And um, yeah, their their careers are you know really on hold. Whereas you know, for obviously for myself and some of the other golfers, it, it's not. You know, we're obviously disappointed and. You know, it's terrible what's going on, but in terms of our careers and the financial side of it, you know, a lot of us are okay. So, yeah, we certainly, you know, a lot of golfers kind of don't need, uh, we certainly don't need much sympathy, but, no. <laughs> you know, like the, uh, but like I say, in any situation, there's always, there's, you know, there are golfers that really do, you know, need some help at the moment. And, um, you know, it's, it's a tough time for a lot of people. And that's the thing, you know, is, there's a lot of players that are sort of on the bubble keeping cards and obviously you've got yourself secured for for, for the season ahead obviously from the win a couple of years ago and mm-hmm. um but not everyone's in that situation there's a lot of people that'll be fighting for a card this year and have no idea 
the sort of stipulations whether they're keeping it. Um, I don't mm-hmm. have the tour of putting anything out at all that sort of explains the situation, sort of sort of anticipating what's going on. Whether it's just very fluid at the moment. Yeah, it's just very fluid at the moment. They've, I mean, you've heard guys talking amongst them, themselves about what could possibly happen, but I think they are. I'm sure you know Keith is talking with his with everyone and with all the staff and discussing possibilities. But you know, at the moment, we just, they just don't know. I mean, if you know, if this kind of clears up quicker than people think and we can get back for I think it's the Irish Open at the minute is the first event that's yeah. not been postponed I mean if we got back for that then I suppose we could just carry on the season as normal but I imagine that's probably not going to happen I mean I'm no uh, I'm not an expert but it just seems like we could be um, could be in this for a little while longer and you know and then you get into what happens if you know at what point does the season become invalid you know even if we could come back and play in September does would that be fair to, you know, have a season that short and then, you know, do you cancel the season or do you just roll it over the next year? I mean, there's there's yeah. so many potential outcomes that I guess they're just kind of waiting to see see what happens and I just suppose it's hoping for the best at the moment. Exactly, and that's the thing is we're seeing a lot, especially talking to the Premier League in terms of football. There's a lot of uh, talk about cancelling the season, how unfair it would be to to any one hmm. team and. Uh, particularly, you know, Liverpool, and I know that yeah. the, the, the divisions below the National League have actually taken a decision to null and void the leagues and things like that. But it's yeah, kind of um, with the Premier League, it's kind of why can't you just play the end of this season when we're all allowed to go out again and then just start the new season later? It, I feel like they can just move that. It's it's not like we're in a, yeah. a country where we can't play through the summer. I know it's obviously not ideal when major tournaments coming up and things like that, but. It feels like that can be sort of moved along, whereas yeah. trying to move venues and things for golf clubs and, and tournament hosts and trying to cram that all into a short space of time isn't quite as simple. Yeah, yeah. There's, um, I suppose, in a football season, there is more um, leeway, isn't there? You know, they have more breaks, and you know, the golf season is, yeah, there's it finishes in at the end of November and starts the following week so there's obviously not an event every single week but there's um just you know there is an event most weeks and um like i said the amount they're being cancelled already they just they just can't kind of can't get them all in obviously and uh, it's just more difficult logistically but yeah i mean with the football there's, there's going to be gonna be some uh, some people very i mean I, I quickly read some stuff about the lower league football this one and i uh, there's a lot of people kicking off about South Shields, I believe. They are they kind of on for getting promoted or something. Uh, yeah, um, I'm entirely sure. And, don't you? Yeah, and so and they were talking about taking legal action, and it's just yeah, the, um, the kind of possible kind of scenarios and outcomes is just endless, isn't it? But um, I suppose in a lot of ways, it kind of it does make you realise that it is only sport and football, and um, you know. I put another tweet out the other day, you know, how I felt a bit useless in this kind of period where, you know, all of a sudden, um, you know, the the people with the proper jobs, um, for lack of a better term, are all of a sudden, you know, getting the credit they deserve, you know, the the NHS nurses and all that. Um, it's kind of brilliant to see people's appreciation for, for all those kind of people. And, um, you know, while, while golfers and footballers are just kind of sat at home doing nothing because we're uh, you know, we don't add, add much to society when it comes to times <laughs> like this. So, 
Yeah, and, and that's the thing, isn't it? Is you do have to keep it into perspective. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of you hear a lot of uh, fans. You know, I think we we joked, didn't we, on on Twitter about how how gutted we were about you know the Masters being cancelled and, and yeah. things like that. And you think, you know, to put it now, how dangerous it's become and how scary and uncertain it's become. Those sort of things go to the wayside. But I wanted to touch a little yeah. bit on obviously for yourself personally. I mean, uh, the last event yourself was in Qatar. Um, mm-hmm. first top 10 of the season um, yep. how frustrating is it for you to to finish so well that week uh, and then sort of have to just put the clubs away for you know however long yeah yeah um, it was kind of double sided to be fair because so I made the cut in or when I was playing in Oman like this the kind of you know we started to hear you know, rumours that events were well, events had already been cancelled, but there was obviously chances that the upcoming events could also be cancelled. So I was thinking, you know, I kind of need to go and make a cut here and you know get some money in the door and get some points on the board because I had a pretty poor start of the season. Um, and I managed to make the cut in a man and finished 40-something and then um, went to Qatar and obviously played really well. Um, but at that point, you know, we were supposed to go to Kenya the next week and then in India the following week, and I just knew in the back of my mind that those events weren't going to go ahead so uh, I think that just gave me a little bit more determination to have a good week and obviously like you said I, I went for the seventh and I think on the I think it was on the Friday we found out that India was cancelled um and then I don't know, maybe the next day that Kenya was oh sorry Kenya was cancelled and then the following week we found out India was cancelled and um so a lot of me was just relieved to have kind of got um some points on the board you know before you know, before the big break and, um, you know, just to get some money in the door as well. And um, so there was that side of it. But then, you know, it was really up for the next week. I was supposed to be playing in Kenya. I wasn't down to play India, but I was scheduled to play Kenya. And I played that course on Challenge Tour and felt like it really suited my game. You know, it's it's a very short, kind of tight, um, fiddly kind of course, which I would have, you know, the way I played, you know, in Qatar, I would have really fancied it that week. Um, so obviously I was disappointed, but, um, yeah, to get at that point, I was just kind of ready to get home and um, make sure I could get back into the states. Um, yeah, because exactly. obviously talking about travel bans and stuff, so I was I was definitely relieved to get back. And uh, I would say it was more just relief of um, you know getting a good week under my belt before you know not being able to play for God knows how long, and then um, obviously a little bit of disappointment and not being able to continue on that uh, momentum, but. Like you said, this whole thing's definitely put it all into perspective and, um, yeah, we're just kind of making the most of it. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned there, obviously, the, the t- determination factor um, to play well. Obviously, you know, as soon as you heard the news, you're like, right, I need to sort of put my foot down here and really, mm. you know, have a good week. And you can never recreate the kind of pressure that something like this has caused um, mm. or even pressure or sort of mentality. But do you think that is something that, you know, sort of, you know, leading into... A man, you sort of had three missed cuts, and is it kind of, is it a taking it easy thing? Is there a particular part of your game that's kind of sort of struggled early in the year, or what do you think? That yeah, is? yeah, felt as though. Oh, I mean, not even felt as though. Like I, I was struggling with my long game a bit. Um, just my kind of swing had just got into not a great place, um, so I was just kind of really struggling to hit the shots that I was seeing. Um, you know, when I was trying to. I was just seeing, you know, a little draw into a flag and, you know, it was coming off left, going left and 
and stuff like that. So it was just my swing just wasn't in a great place, and it wasn't even in a great place in uh, Qatar when I finished um, top ten. Um, but I kind of just it was interesting. On so I really struggled in Oman, but luckily the course is quite wide off the tee, so I was kind of in some pretty crap tee shots, but getting away with it a lot of the time. Um, and then my short game and putting just totally saved me. You know, it's it's been a really strong, the two probably strongest parts of my game in my whole career. But like, you know, recently it's really felt like it's kind of saved me. So I managed to get through that week, you know, hitting it pretty badly. But, you know, just chipping putting well and getting around. And then um, I was on the range on the Tuesday in Qatar. And I was, I kind of videoed my swing and you know, it looked a bit rubbish. And I was like, all right, let's try and get it, you know, in a bit of a better position talking to caddy about what we could do and, and i was just sitting there terrible you know i was very like swing and technique focused and i was just hitting it rubbish and i turned to jason and just said you know if i try and play this week you know thinking about my goal swing and trying to get my technique in a better place i'm gonna miss the cut by a mile it's just it's just not there so i said why don't we just try and hit different shapes you know like every tee shot you know pick a certain shape and just really commit to hitting that um, you know, every shot, depending on where the flag is, you know, if it's a right flag, we'll try and fade it in, left flag, we'll draw it in, and just to kind of take my mind off my swing, because I just, it wasn't, hasn't been in a great place, and, you know, two days before tournament, you're not going to be able to put enough work in to get it in the perfect spot, so I thought, let's just go and, you know, play golf a bit like Bubba Watson almost, you know, where he's just, obviously not quite as extreme as him, but, you know, he just sees shapes and just reacts to it, so, so we hit a few on the range doing that and all of a sudden I started hitting some nice shots and you know I knew I could kind of start it left and get it fading back and start right coming back and um, started to get a little bit of confidence and then we went out and just did that in the tournament and played really well um, and it was amazing how much kind of freer I felt and I was just kind of I was using my kind of skill and my athletic instincts more than just trying to put a technically good swing on it you know so um so to go from like playing rubbish and scraping a cut the week before and missing cuts previously to all of a sudden I was you know, I wasn't up there really competing to win, but um you know, I was up at the at the right end of the leaderboard again just through a, a shift in mindset. It was a really valuable lesson, um, you know, as this game generally throws at you. Um it was yeah, an amazing turnaround. Yeah, do you think that's something that you've kind of got away from playing freely, you know, when you won in South Africa, it was a carry on the bag, and you said, mm-hmm. said to me that week, didn't you, that you felt that just not overcomplicating things, obviously Kerry couldn't give you specific yardages and things, yeah. so you, you sort of were in control of your own game, uh, and you just said there as well that going out and playing a bit more freely, do you think when you do that, you can play your best golf? I know a lot of people do say that, and it seems a little bit um, sort of cliche, but yeah. it sort of, sort of certainly seems to be that that is the case for yourself, that when you do free up, and especially after... You know, a couple of missed cuts, the pressure can get on. But you did it again sort of yeah. at the end of last season with in France yeah. and Portugal, didn't you, with two top tens as well? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think what I took from it was that there's certain periods where, like in South Africa and that, that period afterwards, uh, I just kind of managed to get, you know, I was swinging it really well and, like, you know, on video and how it felt, like the ball was going where I wanted it to go in that period. So... The way I was playing golf then was literally um, get the yardage, you know, pick the club and just aim there, 
aim at my target and hit it, you know, because and I could fully trust that because my swing wasn't a good place and I didn't need to try and shape it because I was pretty much had this, you know, my little consistent draw on repeat. You know, I didn't have to think about anything. It was just target and hit it. Um, and that's obviously a you know wonderful place to be, but the nature of humans and golf is that your swing's not always going to be there. And I've always been a bit of a perfectionist, and when my golf swing's not been quite where I wanted it, it can annoy me and take up too much of my attention, which is kind of what I almost let happen in Qatar, but then kind of realised that you know, my swing's not quite where it needs to be, so what do I do to be able to play some good golf this week and and that's where I did a really good job of recognising you know I just at the end of the day I've still got a half decent golf swing even when it's not great not at its best so uh, as a professional golfer I should be able to stand there and start a ball 10 yards left and get it cut and at least back to the flag somewhat whereas you know when I was trying to just put perfect swings in it I was my shots were generally starting left going left or starting right going right so they were always working away from the pin um so i think yeah so what i took from all that was that you know there are times when you can just freewheel it and you swings in a great place and you just you know aim at the pin and hit it and you'll generally hit it there but there are times when your swing's not there and that's when you've got to kind of really switch your mindset and just and not worry about your golf swing you know and you're off weeks try and get it in a better place whatever but when you're at tournaments you've you've kind of got to dance with the the girl you brought um <laughs> yeah so and you just yeah so that's what I did a good job of that week and it was a really kind of brought that lesson lesson home for me quite a lot where if it's not quite there to hit shapes and and you'll be alright. Do you think that obviously having the win that you had in South Africa kind of obviously gives you confidence going forward? You know you can win on tour now. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you've believed that in the past, but that obviously cements it. Do you think that just having that bit of freedom to say right, well actually I'm not going to focus too much. I've got my card for the season. This is what I'm going to do this week. Yeah. This is how I'm going to commit to it. Does that sort of change your mindset completely? Or? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I would say that. Um, I think as you, as I've gone along and obviously had the win in particular, but then had other good performances and had good performances at important times. I think that just gives you just that more deep-seated belief that even when things aren't quite right and you're not playing well and you're missing cuts that that's just a phase i think early on in your career you can kind of like my first year out on tour uh, um you know, i missed my card and i remember thinking throughout that year like because i was missing cuts like am i actually good enough whereas now you know i've won on tour and i've kept my card for a number of years and you now i've put in some some good performances now i know that you know i have got the ability and i've done it yeah, that's the at thing least, I was going to say there, sorry, just to jump in, is that obviously no, um, it isn't just the win itself that is important. You, mm-hmm. If you look down the list at your sort of best finishes in your career, you know, the top 20 best finishes, a lot of yeah. them have come since that win, and it isn't it isn't mm-hmm. just the wins, is it? You know, it's top 10s yeah. in, in France, in Qatar, in, you know, Portugal, and, you know, Denmark, you had a third, you know. It, yeah. It isn't just and a top four as well in Denmark. It's it's not just the wins. It's these putting back to back top five finishes in that, yeah, kind of load up and and sort of give you the freedom to say, well, actually, this is this is where I'm at. This is the ability I I can do. And you say in Qatar you weren't you weren't in contention, but to finish you know tied seventh when 
you weren't close to winning is yeah. you know, is a massive leap from where you probably were in sort of 2014 13 yeah yeah absolutely it's um yeah you just kind of you're gradually building that kind of that self-belief as you go on it just and you just get more mature and you kind of don't panic at little dips in form and then like you said the you know you can you can play just as well in two given weeks and one week you win and one week you finish 20th just through you know circumstance and you know maybe the golf course one week really suits you the other one doesn't you know you, you maybe make one daft mistake you know one tournament where it costs you a double bogey and then the other one you know you maybe hit an equally as bad a shot but it ended up you know, just in the rough, no problem. You know, as the other one, you lost the ball, type of thing. So, you do kind of realise that there's there's just a lot of circumstance in golf, and um, and over the over the course of a season, or even a tournament, or your career, that it all just evens itself out, and um, you just kind of just keep chugging along, doing your best, and and wait for those weeks where you you are playing well, and you know, sometimes you win, sometimes you finish fifth, sometimes you finish twentieth. You just, I think, you take. Uh, or certainly for me, I've I've taken a much more kind of so what I'm looking for just kind of logical view towards you know the the results. Um, you kind of get less and less caught up in results and more about just trying to play well and get your game in the right place. Because now I know that when I am playing my best, that I can win. So I just focus on trying to get my game in good shape, I suppose. Yeah, I think it's leads us on nicely. Obviously, we spoke beforehand that we want to sort of go back to the the early days of of getting into mm-hmm. golf and college golf and I think it's nice to hear it's all going in reverse now where you found the maturity level was not obviously just on and off the golf course where you sort of mm-hmm. you understand what's important you know put into perspective you, you know you miss a cut and you can go home and you see your family and you're happy and mm-hmm. you know that that kind of really helps and then um, whereas when you're probably a young golfer and, and you don't win it can probably feel like the end of the world I mean I don't know how you yeah. felt you know, as a as a schoolboy and as an amateur, but I can imagine that you took you sort of a miscut or a bad performance a lot worse then. Uh, I mean, I had the worst temper when I was a kid. <laughs> like people think of I'm this really kind of level-headed, calm on the course. I mean, I can still get stressed out nowadays on the course, but I don't. Um, I had such a bad temper. I was I was a little brat, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, I was just this little kid that would just. I wasn't. Not so much like chucking clubs and snapping clubs and stuff, but I would just be really moody and just get really angry with myself. Um, I remember like the angriest I've ever been, and when I think back on it, it's just ridiculous. I was, um, it was the Walk Cup year, so in 2009, and I'd had a really good 2008, so I was kind of, I wasn't a shoe in, you know, going into 2009 for the team, but you know, I had a really good chance and. Yeah. We played in the English amateur, and I think I qualified like second. And then in the first match play round, um, I got beat off. I don't remember the kid's name, but you know, I was I was the heavy favourite. You know, I was supposed to win the match, and he beat me on the last hole. And I, at that time, I thought that had cost me a spot in the World Cup. And um, Kerry was actually with me that week, and we had to drive from I think it was a Rye Rye Golf Club, so it was like a seven or eight hour drive back home. And I don't think I spoke to Kerry for the first four hours of the drive. I was that. <laughs> that angry with myself and and then i look back now and just think of how ridiculous that ridiculous that was you know um it's such a and that happens you know yeah you know, even happened happens in the term pro you know i've missed cuts and just been devastated and um and you look back and think like why why was i so upset about that and uh i think that's probably fairly normal for people but um yeah i mean i had a 
had a really bad temper when I was a kid. How would you rate your amateur career? Obviously, you just touched upon there. One of the questions mm. I was going to ask, obviously, being on a Walker Cup team, you played the Palmer Cup team as well, a St. Andrews mm-hmm. Trophy, um, before obviously going to, to Tennessee. Um, how how do you feel? It's, in America, it's quite a lot is based on their college goal success, and they sort of go mm-hmm. to a lot of them come straight out to the PGA Tour now, a lot of them. But for English golfers, uh, you know, university is a massive thing in America. Whereas mm-hmm. over here, there's not really so much in that way. You either sort of turn pro off a good amateur career or yeah. you do have to make the leap to America. And obviously, you chose the latter. Uh, mm-hmm. so when did you decide that that was a route that you wanted to go down? Um, well, my my brother, Andy, actually got recruited to go to Tennessee, where I ended up going uh, six years previous. Um, and he turned it down. It was kind of a last-minute thing. I think the, the coach... Uh, Jim Kelson, he'd just gotten the job and he kind of really needed to get some players in quickly. So he, I think he was at the St. Andrews Lynx Trophy and he offered my brother a scholarship and he turned it down because I think he had like a week to decide and he just he didn't want to do it. So I think since then it was kind of on my radar and more and more kids were starting to do it. and um, I just I just liked the idea of it and I think I was quite a... I don't know, I was just a very immature kid so I think we knew that going away, you know, just being away from my parents and having to kind of do things on my own a bit would be really good for me as a person as well as as well as the golf side of it. So uh, my parents were all for it. You know, I think they were happy to kind of get rid of me for a few years <laughs> and uh, and let someone else deal with me. Um, I remember the day, so my parents flew over with me, um, the day that, or the, the kind of week when I first, uh, first went over there and remember the day they left my, we were talking with the coach and the assistant coach and the assistant coach Bryce was a bit of a drill sergeant kind of character and my mum turned to him and said uh, you know Bryce whatever you need to do you know, I know Chris can be of a night, bit of a nightmare so whatever you need to do you've got my permission to do it so <laughs> so he took that to heart and um, yeah, he kind of he kicked my ass for a few years so. um, and, that, and that's the thing isn't it a lot of you know, they touched upon there about growing up and a lot of a lot of people over here in, in England go to university to get away and experience sort of growing up on your own and being away from your parents. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people just look at golf as you only go to university to play golf. Well, actually, you just yeah. you just said there that, you know, maybe university wouldn't have been a, a life this side of you know the pond. And mm. if you can go and play golf whilst doing it, then that's obviously a bonus. And did you go over there knowing that professional golf was the the outcome or the expected outcome or yeah yeah it was certainly the goal um i'd say when i went i was still quite um naive and young and i kind of i wanted to be a pro golfer but i probably didn't have like a plan to do it and i was just kind of i was practicing and, and playing tournaments and that kind of stuff but um i wasn't really looking at looking at it as you know a long-term plan and i think that's probably what changed a bit when I got to college you know being around you know seven eight nine really good players um practicing every day together and and playing in tournaments where you know like the Ricky Fowler and and Peter Uline and all those guys were playing and I I kind of I realized that you know I needed to really improve you know I was, I was a good you know I was a decent prospect and um a decent player but I wasn't anywhere near the best player on the team when I got there and I wasn't anywhere near the hardest worker, and um, it was there's two lads, especially um, Charlie Ford, who you might know. Um, 
Yeah. He was a year older than me, really good player, and uh, an American lad, Phil Pettit, who he played on web.com for a while and ended up having to retire because of an injury. But they just they worked so hard and they were way better than me at the time. And I kind of just realized that, you know, if, you know, if I keep working how I am and they keep working as hard as they are and they're already better than me, then you know, I've just got no chance. So I really, I really changed my kind of work ethic and my attitude and my discipline. And, um, and then I, I really... You know, going into college, I wasn't a particularly good prospect. You know, I'd had, I think my best kind of finish was fifth in the Karras Trophy, which is like the big under-18 tournament. You know, I didn't play for England, or I don't think I was even on their radar, to be honest. I kind of had success at county level and stuff, but, you know, I was just not that kind of, I wouldn't say very well-known on the kind of amateur scene. And then I think uh Jim Kelson, the coach at Tennessee, recognized my name on a start starter sheet at that Karras Trophy that I played well in. Recognized my name because of uh, he recruited my brother six years ago, six years previous, sorry. Yeah. And um, he just watched me for a few years, and I've always had a, a kind of technically nice look and swing, and I played really well that week, and he was he was really impressed and offered me a spot, and um, I pretty much took it straight away, and um, turned out to be probably the the turning point, I would say, um, because even though I had the potential to be a really good player, I had a, a good swing and you know, I was naturally just quite good at it and you know, a good putter and that kind of stuff. I didn't, I don't think I would have developed the kind of discipline and the, you know, the course management and, and grown up as a person that had stayed in the UK and, you know, tried to turn pro straight away. I just, I wasn't ready kind of physically or mentally. So I think having those four years at Tennessee really, really changed who I was um, as a person and you know mentally and physically you know, I put on I think put on about two stone in college because um, they got me in the gym I mean I was I was skinny and you know only about five seven and a half or whatever <laughs> I am and uh, just they, they really you know and that and I really improved you know when I when I went there like just with all those things um, you know my kind of rate of improvement just skyrocketed and then I think I played for GB and I in the St Andrews Links Trophy before I ever played for England, so it kind of just shows the the odd kind of path that I took, I suppose. There's an interesting couple of points there. Obviously, the first saying that if you didn't make the move to to Tennessee, you may not have been spotted because there's just so many. Um, I always kind of look at our education system in terms of sport compared to America as very weak. I think mm. we we don't sort of go out recruiting sport people. We we don't have great university football teams um so to, to make that move and get away from sort of like a, a pool of english players that were all very good and, and similar levels but if your name or face doesn't fit that you kind of don't you know don't get yeah. picked up whereas in the in the college thing it's all on results isn't it it quantifies itself yeah. Um, and it, it's funny you mentioned about your your weight and height on there it lists you yeah. on the on the university officially you're five foot eight on the page and yeah. in your final year, in your senior year, you put on ten pounds, which I'm assuming was yeah. quite a lot of muscle and and things yeah. like that. And it was also interesting that you said that, you know, when you first came to college, you weren't the best prospect, and mm. you know the, the the evidence kind of backs it up because every year through college you got better, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I think my I look back at this a little while ago actually, and I think my stroke average dropped maybe half a shot a year. I believe yeah, um, yeah, something like that, um, which is quite a lot. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, just that alone. I mean, there, there's so many 
so many factors to it you know there's the physical side the mental side the the course management just the the level of competition you know in, in tournaments and and in practice and um yeah it was yeah it was just mad kind of the i'd gone from because i did my a levels not i just wasn't interested in those at all so i didn't do very well and then i took a year out to just play golf so basically i was for a year just i had all day long just to to practice um <laughs> no kind of real plan you know i was obviously getting ready for the the amateur season and stuff in the uk and um and i was kind of i think i was working hard and stuff but you know i was i was probably just on the range hitting balls for a long time and then going out and playing or whatever i didn't really have a, a really specific you know plan for my you know, overall game and then uh so then I got to college and all of a sudden we have to get up at half five in the morning to go to the gym, you know, for an hour and a half. And then we have classes from, you know, starting at either eight or nine o'clock till midday, then quick lunch. And then you're off to practice for three hours and then you get home and you've got homework. And it just totally overwhelmed me at first because I'd gone from having all day, all the time in the world to do a bit of practice. So all of a sudden I've got to get all these extra, extra things into my schedule. So that's when I really became... Yeah, very disciplined and learned about time management and and all that side of it. Do you so. think by by the time you left college, you were a good student athlete? You know, there's qualifications and homework and things. Like that. I think I remember reading a quote that is sort of uh, you admit now that Kerry kind of helped you out a bit <laughs> during your <laughs> yeah, final years and things like that. There was more athlete than student. I would say I, was, <laughs> I um I would say I did the required level of work. <laughs> would be would be generous way of saying it. I um. Yeah, I, I kind of put enough work in to to get by with the school side, but it was it was important to me. I wanted to get the degree, um, just to yeah. I didn't want to kind of put all that work in and, and not get anything out of it. And my mum was also very adamant about getting a degree to, to kind of fall back on. And uh, but obviously my main my main focus was improving my golf. And um, yeah, I, I used to leave you know like like a lot of us to procrastinate so badly with stuff ended up. <laughs> Yeah, I'd make a bit of a plan to to study for an hour a night a week before a test and then the night before the test comes I haven't done anything and end up pulling an all inder. So I was kinda of that that kid. Um so but I got my degree and kinda of, I'm really pleased that I, I did that and uh but yeah the the main thing I got out of it was obviously the golf and yeah, Kerry definitely she used to make study guides for me. Um, we had a couple of classes together, and ready to be I'd a be teacher before then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, she basically self-tutored me through through uh, some of those classes, and yeah, she would. I think she even did a few kind of study guides for classes she wasn't in. So um, yeah, she was definitely a big help getting me through that. And what was your degree in? Yeah, uh, it was sport management. Okay. Which was kind of the the easy way out a little bit <laughs> maybe one i don't say that i'm doing the same thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i think a, a sport management degree in a sports based university in america is probably very different to a sport management degree in the uk <laughs> um you know my classes were all full of the the football players and basketball players and um it was yeah it was the de- degree of choice for the athletes i would say but um yeah yeah so kind of a part of me wishes i'd done something yeah, maybe a business degree or something like that. But um, I probably would have my golf probably would have suffered if I'd uh, taken on something too challenging. That's the thing. I think if you if you go with the intentions of being a professional golfer, you, you can't. As much as it sounds 
I mean, you've got the people like Bryce and DeChambeau, who's, you know, is yeah. very much he's academic, isn't he, as well as as, yeah. well as a golfer. Um, but he is a rare, a rare case. I know kind of like, you know, Tiger Woods and Cantley, they went mm. to Stanford where you have to have a certain GPA to, to even get in. So mm. there obviously are exceptions. But, you know, if, if the main focus is golf, that takes up so much time. I mean, I, I remember listening to a podcast a little while ago where they, they sort of say about how how long you're on the road for just to get to tournaments sometimes mm. how do you fit you know studies into that time it, it must be yeah. quite a difficult thing to juggle yeah definitely i, I remember i was just in, sat us down uh i think we'd maybe be in as a team maybe partying a bit too much and um <laughs> he said you've got when you're in university you've got three things and you can only do two of them he said you've got golf you've got your studies and you've got your social life he said, basically, you've got to make one of them suffer. Um, so we generally chose studies as the one, <laughs> the one that suffered a bit. But um, yeah, we all, yeah, we definitely, we had a good time as well as kind of, I think most of us, pretty much everyone graduated. So yeah. we got by. Yeah. And you obviously, you met, met Kerry at the university. And how difficult was it then to go from obviously seeing her all the time to then going back to Europe to play on the Alps Tour and the Challenge Tour and mm-hmm. things like that? Yeah, that was a that was it was definitely a tough tough period. I mean, she yeah, so she was studying to become a teacher, which she basically did um, so that she could come and see me in the summers. Yeah. Um, her kind of I think a dream job was um, like in physical therapy. Okay. She did her degree was exercise science, and she wanted to to get a master's, I believe, in uh, physical therapy, but she kind of she said you know if i do that you know i'm gonna have to go to summer school and we'll literally not see each other um ever basically so she kind of forego foregone that to she became a math teacher um so that you know and a break she could come travel with me in the summer and um you know she made a, a huge sacrifice really um, i mean she loved teaching and she was you know happy to do it but um you know she made that choice just so we could kind of continue our relationship basically and um yeah so i would be off yeah playing you know Alps tour and that kind of stuff and she'd be back in tennessee teaching and i would just try and get back as much as possible but at, at that point we were gone you know three months and some periods without seeing each other um but we just she was brilliant she kind of knew that it was just part of it and she saw how hard i was working and um Luckily, I made I made some good progress my first year, and um, I graduated through the Alps and got on challenge. So I was kind of on the I was on the path, on the correct path, I think. So yeah, we kind of lived like that for a good few years until uh, 2014, I think, when we got married. And then um, I think the following year, she started to travel, or maybe two years later, she started to travel full time. And that's the thing I think people don't see. Um, you know, you see all these shots of uh, the you know the players' wives waiting on the green for them when they win, hmm. and but you know they don't see the the six seven months of a year that you just don't see each other for yeah. work reasons, travel reasons. I know obviously in was it 2015 that you moved to Orlando, uh, yeah. based yourself there, um, but in, until then it was kind of like you say you can see each other when you can, and and that's going to mm-hmm. be quite a big quite a big sacrifice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, there's not a lot of kind of girl people that would put up with that, you know, and she was, she never made me feel 
bad about it really she she was happy for me to kind of be chasing my dream basically and um she kind of knew knew what that meant to me and uh, she believed me enough to kind of you know be happy you know to let me go and do that basically knowing that you know it would all work out and um yeah that's kind of definitely an underrated part of a lot of golfers journeys you know you, you know if you have you know you, if your partner's making things really difficult for you you know i've certainly found in my career that if there's you know stuff going on in your personal life it definitely can translate into into the golf and um yeah the curry's been brilliant from that regard i've never i've never had to to stress about anything really and um not even now when you know this this last run when i was or the the desert swing sorry where i was gone for four weeks um you know she's you know looking after you know a little baby now and that that whole month you know looking after a kid on your own is i mean i've done it for a day and it's i'm knackered (laughs) at the end of the day so i can't imagine looking after ella on my own for for a whole month and she doesn't complain she you know she loves it she knows that that's her thing now and you know she's got a bit of help with her you know, her parents now uh, live about an hour away from here and okay. you know they've got she's got a bit of help but you know for the most part she's um you know she's on her own with ella and yeah and that's that's hard work <laughs> uh, so it's funny you touched there upon um that you had sort of success early on in the Alps tour where you, you know you won a couple of times on there didn't you was it three times mm-hmm. i think um, yeah and then you didn't go very long on the challenge tour before you won i believe it was the english challenge yeah. Um, so how difficult then was it when you got to the European Tour and when, you know, I think it was the first year or second year you lost your card um, yeah. and obviously went a few years then after that where you didn't win at that level. How how difficult did you find that? Yeah, it was definitely a big step up. Um, yeah, I think when I did, so I graduated from college, went to Q-School, didn't get anything. So then it was like, what do I do now? And I had a few friends that played on the Alps Tour, so I did that. Um, and I think that winter before that season started, I spent it in Orlando, just staying at a, a friend's house, and I played. Uh, it was Hooters to a winter series. Yeah. And I think I played about eight events. You know, it was that kind of deal where you pay eight hundred dollars, and um, <laughs> you know, basically anyone could play. And I think I did okay. I think I, you know, maybe made had a couple of decent finishes, made like sixteen thousand dollars, but basically all that had gone on entry fees and expenses and. And then um, went into the Alps season, just raised the sharp because I'd been playing all this tournament golf, and I don't think really anybody else had. So I won the first two events. Um, that obviously gave me a lot of kind of confidence and momentum going forward. And then, yeah, got through. I think I had a good finish on Challenge Tour that year as well. I, fin- I finished third in an event, which kind of kept me my card on that tour. So then, yeah, following year, won the English Challenge, and I was kind of taking it all in my stride. Um, I got onto the European Tour, and then then it was just more difficult. Basically, um, the the step up from I'd certainly say from from college, like top level college golf, to the Alps Tour is definitely a step up, but not that big of a step up. And then yeah. the step up from Alps Tour to Challenge again isn't that big, but I'd say the step up from Challenge Tour slash Q School to European Tour is it was definitely a, a, the biggest step um, that I have it out of it kind of taken just in terms of the golf courses which is way harder way longer more rough faster greens and then you know even even on challenger you've got a lot of the weeks you've got like 40 invites and they'll generally be generally be quite weak players so 
effectively you're maybe only playing against 100 guys whereas in europe you know you've still got the odd invite but you're generally playing against probably 140 250 really strong players who any of which could kind of win that week so um it was just harder and um i don't think i was kind of again quite ready for it so obviously i wasn't because i because i missed my card and then i dropped back and yeah I missed Q. I can't remember which Q school that was, but uh, I think I narrowly missed um, final stage maybe that year. So then I was back on Challenge Tour, I think, and oh well, I've just been on European Tour. Like you know, I should be able to breeze through this, no bother. And then started missing cuts on Challenge Tour that year, and it wasn't until the end of the season I think I had a couple of good results and kind of secured my card card on there. And then yeah, then went to Q school and got my card back for European Tour and then I think I've kept it ever since then so I think I just needed that extra year of kind of development and maturity and experience and, and that was the difference you know from that first year to to keep my card since. Yeah and just looking at your sort of your results back in the past uh, since you've been on the European Tour do you think that I mean it's no coincidence it appears to me that when you move to Orlando in 2015 where you can get a bit more practice in all year round and things like that mm. The, the subsequent years, 2016, you had three top 10s, 2017, yeah. another top 10, 2018 is obviously a career year for you. And mm-hmm. um, ever since then as well, you know, you may miss cuts and things like that, but you're very quick at bouncing back. And do you think you, a lot of that is, obviously we spoke about the self-belief and the confidence, but do you think it's the situation, the environment you're in now that helps as well? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. I mean, um, yeah, the, the kind of clearest examples of it in my mind were, what I was just talking about there was playing that winter series before the Alps season. You know, that made, that was a huge factor in that season. And then, um, yeah, like when I won the SA Open, I had five weeks previous to that, just in Orlando practicing every day, playing Monday games with other pros, probably three times a week. And, um, you know, whereas, you know, most players back in Europe, you know, the guys are practicing indoors or off mats and, you know, you know, the courses obviously aren't, you know, have the rope and they're not in great condition that time of year. So I think, um, yeah, from a golf point of view, it's, you know, it's been huge. And we kind of did that, you know, purposefully. You know, I've, I've always kind of understood the importance of making the circumstances around you work for you as best as possible. So we were kind of weighing it up, you know, we in terms of is the travel going to be too much and, um, that's why I rented a place the first year to kind of see how that worked yeah. and we found I kind of knew that even though the travel was going to be a bit more that all the other benefits would outweigh it you know, we, we kind of love the area we're in and we really enjoy our lives when we're here and Kerry's happy you know, when I'm on the road she's happy when she's here and Ella loves it, the weather's great um, the practice facilities and everything are amazing, especially now I joined uh, joined Lake Nona I mean I'm just, I've got like one of the best kind of courses and facilities in the world to to practice at every day and um you know we would love our time you know that we spend here and in, in the winter and then i love you know i love my time in the uk in the summer as well so i feel like we've really really got the best of both worlds at the moment so yeah we, we're definitely very fortunate from from a lot of points of view with with where we kind of spend our time yeah, i remember you saying obviously when we when we spoke just after uh your SA Open win was that the sort of thing you key attributed to that was was the money games that you were playing is putting a a more pressured practice if you like instead of I remember you speaking just earlier now just 
where you sort of hit the range and you kind of aimlessly hit balls and mm-hmm. ball after ball after ball feels like you're practicing, but there's no real kind of guidance. Whereas playing competitively, even though you're not in a tournament, uh, for you know, even if it's a, a measly amount of money just to sort of buy a beer or whatever, but yeah, it's a, it's a pride thing, isn't it? And it's kind of just wanting to win and you're trying to yeah. replicate that sort of tournament pressure that you feel, and that's obviously why you won early on in the year and went on the round that you did. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and then actually. Well, we've kind of got it set up now. So obviously, Lake Nona, there's a lot of really good, um, good players there. You know, you've got Stenson and McDowell and Portal and that. So when, when obviously all these tournaments started getting postponed, I thought oh, it'd just be a great idea because I've not really spent, you know, I've practiced you know kind of next to those guys a bit at the golf club, but I've not really had any games with them. So I thought I'm gonna get all the numbers and just try and set up like a weekly game, um, you know, and. Uh, I got, you know, there's, I think it's about 11 or 12 of us in this group. So I got this group going and said, lads, like, you know, I know we've got some time off. I, just, I think it'd be a really good idea to to try and get a weekly money game going. We're going to all throw in, you know, a few hundred dollars and, you know, it'll be good fun and it'll kind of keep us going or whatever. So um, we haven't kind of done it yet because we were supposed to play last week, but um, they then postponed like four more PGA Tour events. So a lot of the lads weren't that bothered about practicing yeah. just yet. So, um, but yeah, I've kind of got it set up. We've kind of agreed that, you know, when it when we know when we're coming back, we'll you know, maybe the month before we'll kind of start getting some some money games together, and it kind of just it's quite exciting really to you know play against. You know, I think the it's going to be one of the strongest money game fields I've ever seen. I think it would be you know there's like there was Stenson, Polder, McDowell, Benan, Tyrrell, Hatton, um, Zalad, Hank, Libioda who plays PGA Tour. Uh, K.H. Lee, um, myself, like it'd be, should be world ranking points for it. I think if we can, uh, <laughs> if we can get it going. So I think, I think yeah. the way the fans are missing at the moment, there'd be people betting on that. The way it's going, yeah, but, uh, yeah. I think it's, live uh, stream it maybe. Yeah, that's yeah. it. But uh, it's it's interesting that you speak about that as well because I remember yeah, a podcast we did before where you sort of said that one of your not a fault of yours, but one of your sort of negatives to yourself is that you kind of quite shy almost mm. and a bit introverted and i remember you speaking a particular moment in um i think it was germany where you were playing with stenson and you yeah. kind of wanted to to talk to him and, and see what he thought about your game and, and mm-hmm. you know and whereas now i think is it almost a feeling of you belong and you know texting them is suddenly not daunting and you deserve to play against them and things like that yeah definitely no i definitely feel kind of part i mean obviously i'm not in you know they're kind of league in terms of how good their careers have been but you know i do feel comfortable you know i was excited to kind of set that game up and that's kind of why i did i thought you know if i can get a weekly game going with those kind of players and you know you know imagine you know throwing 400 dollars in and playing against hendrick uh gmac and polder in a four ball you know you'd be i'd be right up for it you know i'm sure they wouldn't <laughs> they wouldn't be too bothered but i'd be like i'd be grinding for the week four trying to get prepped for it and i think that my thought process was that it would just it would really enhance my motivation and and kind of it would enhance my practice leading up to those games and I'd be really up for it and I'd love to take their money not just for the money but for like to say I've kind of beaten those guys and that in turn would give hopefully give me a lot of confidence um, going into you know whenever we do get started back up again but you know and even if I go and play with them and get spanked then you know. I'll, I would learn something from that as well. So I think uh, I think Rory did an interview a little while back, and he talked about playing playing with guys that are better than you 
if possible, which yeah. I guess for him is quite hard. But um, <laughs> <laughs> at the moment, it is anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but for me, you know, was, you know, there's guys like that playing at the golf course that I remember. At, I would be an idiot to not play with them as much as possible, you know. And, and um, yeah, so that's that's kind of the the goal for this next period is to try and get as many games going with those kind of guys, and hopefully that'll stand me a good stead for the whenever the season gets going again. I think, uh, you know, a, a particular player that you mentioned there was Tyrrell Hatton. He's just won uh, mm. his first PGA Tour event. Uh, not a too dissimilar sort of amateur career to yourself in terms of mm-hmm. um, sort of records there. And he got off to a, a quick start on a Jamaica Tour, I believe it was, and on Euro Pro and things like that, which are levels that you'd won at. Uh, mm-hmm. Similar levels, not the same tours. But um, I think that kind of shows, yes, he's had a, you know, he's got four European Tour wins, you know, quite quickly. Um, mm-hmm. But it does show how things can change quite quickly, yeah. and how you can ascend, and obviously uh, surrounding yourself with those types of players. Where how how much do you believe that you can go and compete with them and and go and win at that level? You know, going forward. Yeah, I certainly do. I mean, um, you know, I've kind of showed I've certainly showed signs of it in the past. I think for me, it's just um, the consistency needs to improve more. You know, obviously, if I can kind of that period where obviously I went to Africa and those events afterwards I kind of went I had a little glimpse of it you know I kind of went from being a not the right term but a normal kind of European tour player to, to all of a sudden I was top 100 in the world and I played in Mexico and that was the year Tommy asked me to play in the Zurich and I played a few events over there and I kind of had a, a quick glimpse of it and if I just kind of kept that kind of form going for a few months longer then you know, all of a sudden you're talking about top 50 and and playing in more WCs and it. I mean, I can I kind of went from playing having a pretty poor season previously, you know, and I was I don't know 300 in the world or whatever to literally a month later I was like 70th in the world or whatever it was yeah. 80th in yeah. the world and um yeah so like I feel now as though I'm I kind of I'm a better player than I was in 2018. Um, you know, I'm mentally more mature. I've, you know my kind of my processes and the way I think and do things is a lot better and physically I'm better and all that. Um, so I, it's just kind of a I feel as though it's a matter of time until I kind of hit another streak like that again. And you know may not be quite as kind of violently upward, but you know I feel like I should be kind of moving back in the right direction again. And um, yeah, you just you just kind of I think now with the experience of doing that before, you never know, do kind of have it another run like that then it'll be more it'll be a bit more familiar and um i think i would probably handle it a little bit better i think maybe at the time i was because it was such a kind of quick rise i guess maybe i didn't feel 100 percent comfortable um and then when my yeah, form did dip off a little yeah my form kind of dipped a bit and i was i was quite hard on myself when my, my form did dip whereas now i think i would look at things a bit more level-headed and i'd imagine that that kind of form would, you know, be maintained a bit longer and, and certainly wouldn't kind of drop off as quickly as it did, you know. And that's the thing, isn't it? You know, you speak there about you, you got up to it was 78 in the world, as I think it says it's your highest ranking, and mm-hmm. um, you know, you had that incredible run where you won and had a couple of top fives and the top ten in the desert, played in Mexico, um, and as you say, if you just carried it on a little bit further, you probably could have got top 50, and, and then that's when the majors come into 
mm-hmm. to the equation. Obviously, you haven't actually played a major yet yourself, yeah. have you? And, and, That's a nine. And, but yeah. and it's, it's incredible. <laughs> Sorry to remind you of that. But it's <laughs> kind of... It's one of those things, isn't it, where you, that's hard to believe. Like when you look at it and think, well, actually, you've won an event, you you finished, you know, top five, top ten in, in really good European tour fields. Your last event was a top ten in a, in a European tour field, and mm. you know, it's all about time. And you hear about peaking for major championships and things like that, and yeah. and maybe you can go in with that mindset now with a bit more freedom. That I mean, it's going to be now we've gone through the situation. It's hard to kind of time anything at the moment. But yeah. yeah, that is. I guess that's the process going forward and how you change your thinking away that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, at the minute it's just going to, um, like I say, can't really work towards something too much. But, you know, you know, even if we get kind of fully locked down, yeah, I've got, um, you know, I've got a gym in my garage and, you know, I've got I've actually just bought a net and a mat and I've got my track man and stuff so I can, I guess, still have stuff i can do and i still feel like i can really you know make some improvements and and work really hard and i suppose it's a case of just do doing what we can at the moment and then you know when we do get the kind of green light you know hopefully sooner rather than later then then it'll be more kind of yeah like i said playing those those games against um some of the some of the lads at lake nona and and just yeah just kind of you know waiting for the for the kind of the spark to come and then and then riding it you know, better than I did last time, I suppose. Yeah, that's it. Just moving away from golf now, I think you know we've uh, we've spoken a couple of times in different podcasts about your career and different parts of it. And I, I really wanted mm-hmm. to cover the early part this time because I feel like we've sort of skipped past that in, in, in previous uh, podcasts, mm-hmm. and it was nice to get the perspective of the amateur career going on to college and things like that. But out, outside of golf, I mean, the one thing I find quite quite humorous is it is the the cooking. And yeah. the the big green egg that you love you love to use yeah. and uh, yeah. I think you're getting quite a following just for that you know people <laughs> quite happy just to follow you just for that not even for yeah. golf now and uh, it, that's obviously one thing you like to do in your downtime uh, what, yeah. what other hobbies do you like to to go as well um, I suppose better now there's not really um, too much you can do <laughs> I've got you know, by the time I've uh, you know practiced and cooked a steak on the egg and played well there's not much much room for anything else but um yeah that's kind of the the thing that um yeah ticks up that's kind of my thing you know i remember playing with jamie donaldson a few years ago and uh i think it was in south africa walking down one of the fairways and he was just chatting and he said so like so what do you like what's your kind of thing you know away from golf and i was like i actually don't really know you know like i don't really have anything i kind of you know i love football and you know whatever like you know cooking and stuff like that but like you know didn't really have a thing and he was talking about how he he loves his cars and he has a a little racing car that he takes on track days and stuff and so that kind of like hit home a little bit and i realized i needed to well he he talked about the importance of having something away from golf that kind of grabs your attention and and you just kind of get lost in it a little bit so and i've I've always enjoyed my cooking and um and i've gotten I think Kerry got me a, a big green egg for Christmas that year, maybe, and and I just really got into it. I just so I spend like all my time like on YouTube, just looking up different recipes and techniques. And I find when I'm you know cooking stuff, I just I get quite lost in it. So like you know, people talk about this flow state, you know, that you should be getting into when you're playing golf, hopefully. But like I find I do that when I'm cooking. You know, I just really get into it, and like nothing else kind of 
there's nothing else in my head. I'm just really focused on making like the best meal or whatever it is as possible. And um, yeah, just for whatever reason, I just just kind of love doing it and trying different things. And yeah, I find there's like nothing better than like when you cook something really well, and especially for other people, and they you know they think it's amazing. It's just just a really kind of nice feeling and something something that I can like focus on and and try and improve at that isn't my career. If you know what I mean? Like obviously golf. Yeah, I love sure. golf, and but there's it's like obviously quite important and it's you know my job and stuff like whereas this is just just a pure hobby that i can kind of mess around with and you know if i mess up a meal it's it's no big deal you know so yeah, yeah i just love it i think that's the thing is that was where i was going with it is kind of and you've led to it perfectly obviously we said there with jamie donaldson and how important it is to have something off off the course that kind of you really get into i mean obviously you do have your family life and um but that you know you can still do that sort of thing and and have a moan about golf whereas if you get lost in something i know some people play on till hat and loves playing xbox and yeah, yeah and things yeah. like that and but if you know if you're not into that sort of thing and do you want to go home and watch golf after you just play golf i mean i don't know mm. if you do that sort of thing but um but yeah to have something that you can just really get into and put all your attention to uh yeah. it must be quite nice yeah definitely definitely and um yeah it's just i think it's quite an important thing for for everyone to have you know you know not just kind of golf is it's you, know, you need to just have something that you enjoy doing that's ideally kind of you know good for your a challenge or physical or whatever in, in some way you know something kind of healthy that you know it's just good for your your kind of mindset i think it just you know you i suppose i've certainly been guilty in the past of just where golf you know has just been too important to me you know and and, and that means that if golf isn't going well then it like in the past it's kind of affected how i am you know away from it so i think just having something as simple as cooking just to put my focus on when i'm away from golf it kind of just i don't know it just chills me out and um, just gives me a bit more more balance you know and do you ever do you ever feel like you just said there obviously a bad result that you can kind of now um sort of focus your attentions elsewhere do you do you still find it creeps back in sometimes you have a bad week like naturally that you, you do sort of get a little bit sort of stressed out and bring that home and or have you completely got completely changed your mindset towards that now no i'm, I'm definitely way better than it used to be but um no, i'm still it's, i think it's still always going to be just a bit of a tendency of mine you know um i think it's funny kerry can pick up on it before i do actually or <laughs> like that kind of run where I was on the road for that month in the desert swing, and I, I think I missed the three, made the, cut the first week, and then missed three cuts. She, she kind of saw some warning signs almost, like okay. the, the kind of in the middle of that. She was like, "You sound a bit, you know, distracted and a bit pissed off and stuff like that." So, she she's really good at picking up up on that, and um, yeah, I think that that really helps, you know, kind of because I think especially since I was on my own, you know, I was. A lot of times, like, you know, in, in the hotel room on your own at night and you've kind of almost got no choice but to stew over, you know, the, the miscut you just had. Um, you know, whereas they, when they were on the road with me, you know, I would miss a cut and then, you know, I've got Kerry now to kind of, you know, to take my attention away from it. Whereas, yeah, that last run, it was, I could kind of feel myself creeping back into that kind of, that place. But, um, yeah, certainly I'm... Kerry's really good at recognising it and, and she's helped me recognise it myself more and, and you know, therefore I can kind of don't go down that kind of that path as much anymore. So, 
Yeah, I think that's so important what you touched on there is that, you know, it's not always possible that you're going to be surrounded by your family and friends and things like that. And, and there's, there's some players that obviously share houses on certain events and mm-hmm. things like that. But European tour, where it's such so spread out across the sort of... It's not even just Europe, is it? You know, it's, it's yeah. Asia, it's, you know, Australia, places like that. You, you go pull all the way across the sort of globe that you are just hotel jumping at times, especially when you haven't mm-hmm. got a sustained period of time where you're going three or four weeks in the same sort of continent. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's obviously important there to, to keep in mind. Is there something else that if you're in a hotel, if you've got a TV series or a film or something that you kind of go to to, to take your yeah. mind off? Yeah, try and, um, yeah, try and also have like a Netflix series going. Um, God, whatever it is, um, I try to go up my most. The Formula One thing's been the the recent one. The oh, yeah, is it so Drive so to Survive? Yeah, so good. Yeah, like it's, <laughs> it's one of those where you, you just get the old series, don't you? Where you like can't wait to watch the next one. I think I think I watched the whole second series in like two days or something. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so there's kind of that stuff. And then I, I I try to make sure that I don't end up just staying in and and watching loads of stuff on the TV or laptop, whatever. Trying trying now like go for walks and stuff you know and um maybe go and even lie by the pool for half an hour or if i've got a bit of spare time or just do whatever because it's so easy especially if you're not playing well so easy just to go back to your room and you know you get on twitter and end up scrolling through that for an hour and then then you i don't know it's just kind of easy to get into that that slump of of kind of you know, almost not feeling sorry for yourself but just getting into those bad habits so i just try and you know, when I get back, I'll you know, let myself chill out for half an hour, and then I'll maybe go to the gym or go for a walk or whatever it is, you know, just to kind of keep keep yourself sane, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it makes sense completely. I think you touched upon it there a little bit. You're, you're a big football fan, and, and we mm. said there that, you know, do you try and watch? Do you find yourself watching golf a lot when you're at home and, and football, or do you just sort of, if it's on, you might catch it? Yeah, not so much golf. If it's like the, like August, or I'll watch that. Uh, British yeah. Open, like those kind of ones I watch, Ryder Cup, obviously. Um, and then if there's events where, uh, you know, if someone I'm, I'm good mates with is doing well, um, you know, I'll, I'll watch that. But in terms of kind of just, you know, regularly watching, you know, a normal tournament, it's just, you know, golf's kind of takes up enough of my life. Uh, <laughs> you know, so I don't want to kind of be watching too much of it. But yeah, I try and watch as much football as possible, obviously. Not ideal being in the States. The only, I think we only have, at least for that, I think we've only got like one channel that, that gets some of the games. But nice thing is they're on in the morning with the time difference. So a lot of times, like on a Sunday morning, there'll be a match on. So yeah, try and, try and watch as much as possible. But um, yeah, there's not too much kind of positivity around Newcastle <laughs> at the moment. So that's yeah, all been a bit like depressing. A, it seems like a difficult time to. Uh to be a fan there and uh, I know he's uh, the owner's come under a bit of criticism this week again hasn't he but yeah. he's actually covering himself with glory is he no um, I, think, I think the nation's getting a bit more of an insight into why Newcastle fans hate him <laughs> yeah I think this is yeah. the thing though is that he is of a, a standing isn't he that you know there's the Richard Branson's of this world I know he's on another level but mm. Gordon Ramsay's been slated this week and it's almost like a lot I mean a lot of these things he won't be making those decisions himself mm. mike ashley's not gone right well sports are staying open i don't care about anyone else it's yeah there's a lot of business and stakeholders and things that, that have yeah. an input on that but there's always going to be 
a man that's at the focus or a woman at the focus that they're going to pick on and and I think that happens a lot in sport as well. I think, you know, if, if you um, say you missed a, missed a cut one week and it can kind of be overlooked, whereas uh, a Rory McIlroy misses a cut and, and mm. suddenly the world's ending. And I think, you know, do you kind of revel in, in that, that you can be sort of not overlooked at times, but you can sort of go under the radar? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like Rory got a lot of stick last year. Like he had... Like one of the greatest seasons ever, like in terms of strokes gained and stuff, he was yeah. like ridiculous. And he, because he didn't win a major, or did he not really have a good chance to win a major or something? But yeah, it's just he wasn't, uh, he wasn't close in the majors as well. Yeah, he? Like, and that was expected of him. Yeah, I mean, I just can't imagine like being held to that standard. You know, I mean, he's you know, he's obviously not doing it in the majors, and I guess that's what those kind of players are judged on, but. But yeah, he's he's had a ridiculous season and yeah, he's won yeah, a players I mean, championship and things like that, hasn't he? So yeah, I can't. If people were judging me by the same standard, I'd be, I'd be, <laughs> uh, I don't think I'd be on Twitter. That's for sure. That's it, uh, and that's the thing. I mean, I've, I've, uh, there's a couple of other players that you know follow on there and, and message from time to time, and, and one of them came back to me once and sort of said, I sort of congratulate him on a good week and he sort mm. of said he has to take time off of Twitter sometimes because it's just a cesspool of negativity. That, mm. You know, it's kind of. I know you took a little break from it last year, didn't you? Where yeah. This, I think now it's kind of really important. It's a very good thing. It's a good outlet, and mm. obviously for people like myself, we like to keep up to date with things like that. But as a professional athlete, you know, you can go on there, and I mean, I don't know if you do it, but you can put your name in, can't you? And mm. I'm sure there's someone that's kind of giving you some stick about the 50 pound yeah. bet they've lost on you that week, or yeah, you know, yeah, I've had like a few that. like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely quite. Well, I say lucky, but. Yeah, it's a result of not being a superstar, but yeah, people are generally uh, pretty nice to me, and I've there have there's been a few obviously I don't know, betting accounts that have had money on me, and I've had a bad last round or whatever, and they have a bit of a go, but I like, just I've never had like the tirade of abuse that that some guys have, but um, yeah, it's just part of you know when you get to that level, I suppose that is another thing that you you have to kind of learn to deal with, and you know, I think. I think Rory's done a really good job of that. He seems to have really matured a lot over the last few years, and um, he seems to have kind of become, you know, the kind of not father figure, but you know, he just talks really well. I think now, doesn't he? He's very kind of mature yeah. and and just says a lot of the right things, and he's he lets people in enough. You know, he, he doesn't. Obviously, I think Tiger was so famous that he couldn't kind of give thoughtful answers on stuff because he was just that famous. Whereas I guess Rory's kind of just, you know, obviously a notch down from that. So he, even though he's, you know, the best golfer in the world at the minute, he can, yeah. I suppose he can get away with speaking his mind a little bit more. Um, and, yeah, I think he's done a really good job of kind of certain, like saying certain things recently. And just this whole outlook on life seems to, you know, just really matured and developed the last couple of years. Yeah, I completely agree on that. That's one of the things I was actually going to mention when you touched on Rory there is that he is now kind of the leader of the tour he kind of put it on the back of his shoulders and sort of said right well I am the best player in the world and and I'm mm. going to own it and if they ask me a question I'm going to come out and speak out and especially with the uh, the PGL um, mm. thing that's going around now he's sort of come out straight away and said well I won't be a part of it and, and yeah. that led to sort of Brooks Kepka and John Rahm and people like that saying the same sort of thing and mm-hmm. I think you need someone like that I mean Tiger's never been like you say he's not been able to be like that because he can't let people in he was too he had too much going on he was too yeah. famous 
Um, and Rory certainly was in the early part of his career. And I think it, the fact that he's managed to almost have a couple of years going on, sort of not under the radar, he never will do, but he's had a chance to mature and he's still yeah. fairly young in, yeah. you know, in, you know, retrospect. So, um, yeah, I think he's really done some grown up and what were your thoughts on the, on the PGL when that came about? Um, I mean, from a, a selfish point of view, I mean, I don't think it would be very good for players like myself because it would just massively devalue, you know, the level of golf we're playing at. Um, yeah. I'd imagine all of a sudden, you know, Rolex wouldn't be interested, you know, BMW does. We'd, I'd imagine the two would lose a lot of sponsors because, you know, those, however many, does it 20 players or whatever, wouldn't be playing in, in our big events. Yeah. And, um, you know, then all of a sudden we'd, you know, if there if the still was you European Tour, it would be on a much kind of smaller scale in terms of prize fund and obviously quality field and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, for, I mean, obviously the, there is a certain appeal to it, I guess, if you are one of those guys that would play on it, you know, the, a bit, a bit more money and, and all that kind of stuff. But I think I just thought Rory kind of hit the nail on the head. You know, golfers at the top, like golfers that at, are at that level anyway aren't exactly hurting financially. Um, no, and, yeah, they, I mean, it's perfect. They've, they can pick their own schedule. You know, that they've obviously got certain, um, you know, certain things, certain events you have to play in. And, you know, you know, they've got sponsors, so they have certain obligations, but they can choose those obligations. You know, if a sponsor comes in, you know, they don't have to accept that offer if they don't want to do X amount of days or whatever it is. You know, they, you, know, you can you can pick and choose, you know, everything, you know, about your life and about your schedule, whereas obviously what they were proposing was, you know, you, you are more in that Formula One kind of driver thing where, you know, you are told to be you know, wherever at a certain time. And I just don't think those those top guys need that. You know, I think you know, financially they would make a bit more money, but, I mean, they just... They don't need it. Do they? Yeah, I mean, yeah. what's the difference between making, I don't know, 20 million a year and 30 million a year? I mean, there, there is a, a difference there, but it's, you know, if it would be sacrificing your ability to make your own decisions on your schedule and all that stuff, I, I can't see the appeal of it to, you know, guys like Rory and, and those top players. I mean, if you offered if you offered me twenty million dollars a year to play golf, it might be different, but um yeah, I don't think I'll be getting that offer any time soon anyway, so it's not something I, I have to worry about. But I think that's the thing you say there is the people that it's being offered to they just don't need it. They don't need to be yeah. feel that it's being controlled, they're being told what they can and can't do. Um yeah. but I also thought from a spectator point of view that it really wasn't that excited um yeah yeah you know, it's no cut events yeah like i mean yeah. you got you got 18 tournaments or whatever it was for this large prize fund and there are certain no cut events that are interesting you go to wjc's and things like that but you know when it's just you know 18 weeks in a row of just the the best players yeah and whoever shoots the lowest score that win wins two and a half million or whatever it is but it, mm. you know, there's already events on the tour that are earning that kind of money like the players the us open you know all these tournaments are they're already big enough prize funds and and like i say the most important thing was is how much it would detract from the other two tours i mean i think the pga tour has got so much money involved now that Mm. they would almost 
survive and last and yeah and probably still flourish but like the european tour like you say is if you take the the two or three four superstars on the european tour away mm-hmm. you know you've got your people like tommy fleetwood you've got you know rory who comes back and supports the tour yeah. ram you take those away and suddenly the sponsors aren't interested in yeah you know the, the biggest events and that is detriment to the other people and that's what he said didn't he, he said you know it, it just takes it out of out of the hands of, of others and I think yeah. Kepka said it he said that I'll never forget where I came from in a short space of time he went mm. through the Challenge Tour European Tour worked his way up and he said it's more exciting to have 200 players and any one of them can change their life on an instant whereas yeah. in that sense it wasn't wasn't the case yeah yeah I mean, it's a bit like the the Tiger Phil match I don't yeah. know if you watched that but like I don't think was anyone interested in watching two of the richest people in the world play for <laughs> nine million dollars like it was kind of that. I don't that know. Was it was... thing, wasn't it? It's a little bit. Um, I can't think of the word, but it's almost. It's too much. It, it's too much money. Is you know, yeah. yes, okay. People want to see them play one on one. They used to do. It's like the wonderful world of golf and things yeah. like that. There, there yeah. is a. There's a moment for it sometimes. But yeah. And, and I actually thought you mentioned Phil there. I thought he might be the one player that might actually go and be in favour of the PGL because mm. you know he's he's not playing at the level Tiger's got himself back to. He's not. He's not competing. Yes, he still he still wins. He's still yeah. you know he's still very much one of the most talented golfers in the world. But mm-hmm. he could take a back seat. He's approaching fifty. Could he go and do that for a season rather than going to the Champions Tour? Yeah. It's, you know, yeah. he's the type of person that seems a little bit money motivated. Not to knock him as a character because I'm sure yeah. he has many good qualities. But that is what you're looking at. You're not looking at the the up and coming. You know the Rory's, and uh, you know they're not going to be as excited by it. I mean, John Rahm's going to be wanting to play in major championships, and yeah, and if you've yeah. got to go and play this PGL season, I don't, I don't even know how they were going to make it work with the world rankings and things like that. But... Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's just there's enough events in the year that are just great to watch. You know, obviously, like the viewing figures for a lot of the European Tour events and even some PGA Tour events aren't great because they're just kind of regular events and not that many people are interested in watching it. But like people don't watch the players championship because it's a $15 million purse and the winner's going to take on $3 million. They watch it because yeah. the 17th is a brilliant hole. Like it's always just provides great drama and it's a great event to watch. Augusta, you know, people don't care that the, I don't know what the price one is there, like $12 million probably. And like, you know, it's not, that's not why people watch it. Is it? It's we watch it because, Everyone knows the course, and it's again it provides amazing drama every single year. Like that's why we, at the end of the day, obviously the PJ Tour is bigger and stuff, but and a lot of that is financial. But you know, it's that's not why guys watch golf, is it? You know, that's not where the interest is. It's it's these kind of I don't know the, the the great events, the the British Open, the US Open, like that is you know it's not financially motivated people's interest is it. it's it's all about kind of the, the drama and the excitement and the the history behind all these events so if you set up all these kind of these pgl events where there's kind of none of that kind of history and stuff behind it i just i don't know i just don't see the the appeal of it from the viewer's point of view and and the player's point of view to be honest I think that's the trouble is that they focus so heavily. The first thing they said was how big the prize funds were, and it was all money, money, money. And mm. you obviously have concerns about where the money's coming from. Yeah. Um. You know, and and like you say, there's the, none of these players. I mean, even 
even people that are you know top hundred in the world, not the top ten players in the world, are mm. kind of not thinking about money. They're thinking about the prestige of winning. I mean, yes, you may have had a year where you made more money, but the biggest moment for you would have been winning for the first time in the European yeah. Tour. You know, it's that wasn't. I mean, South Africa wasn't the largest prize fund, was it? Mm. But you'll never forget lifting a trophy for the first time in the European Tour. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, it's um, yeah. I mean, I've. I think the the biggest, ironically, the biggest check I made in my career is finishing fourth with Tommy in the Zurich, or fifth or whatever it was. Like we finished fourth in the event and split the money, and it's still the biggest uh, <laughs> check in my career. But the, what I remember about that week was, I mean, the week as a whole was brilliant. But like chipping in the last hole for eagle and going nuts, like that is that feeling is just the yeah, you know, I could have won. 50 quid that week and that feeling still would have still been the exists. same you know yeah. like in that moment I wasn't thinking yes I've just made us an extra 50k or whatever it was it was just the excitement of pulling that shot off at that time and that's then the day that is I know it's I think people think we're kind of probably talking a bit of bollocks here but like the hitting the the good shots at the important times is for me anyways what like that's what I I'd love doing and and when you do pull off those shots, it can be even quite innocuous. Like there was one from from last year in France when I finished like ninth, I think. Had a really yeah. tough shot into the 72nd hole. Um, had like four iron into the wind into that island green. It was just like the hardest shot ever, and I and I and I pulled it off. Hit this amazing shot. I only went to like 20 feet, but like in my mind, I just knew like that was just it, like one of the best shots I've ever hit. And we used to finish ninth in the French Open in a season where. Uh, it wasn't a particularly notable season or anything, but like I remember every single feeling and thought and kind of experience of that shot because of I don't know it's just because that's what excites me about playing golf is hitting hitting those shots. It's, it wasn't you know that wasn't a you know no one no one that wasn't even on TV. No one's gonna ever remember that. But like <laughs> in my mind, that was a really important, exciting kind of moment in my career so I think um, as well. and that was a, a really good week for you generally you know, I think you had one round in your second round where I think you, you struggled a little bit but the mm. three other rounds were really good and mm. had that second round been different maybe you could have won but you're mm. also holding on to that one shot and you're not and you're not getting that on the PGL you're getting okay well we're playing for 10 million again this week well mm. play for 10 million last week it becomes yeah. almost you know it's just ridiculous isn't it and then yeah. like you say about with, with the Zurich Classic I remember we spoke and that obviously also you had a great week with Tommy and it was nice to be invited along and, and things like that but that also could have given you the chance to to get yourself you know temporary membership on the PGA Tour yeah. and, and more starts couldn't it and that that's life changing for you especially mm. in your situation that the PGA Tour is obviously going to be a goal I don't think anyone I think a lot of people shy away from saying that is the ultimate goal because I think they they want to be seen as someone that supports European Tour and loves the European Tour. And mm. but you can play both at the end of the day. Yeah. You can be a two-tour player. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that kind of ties into his uh, comments a few weeks ago, doesn't it? You know, is um, when Tommy, I guess it was Bale. Um, yeah. You know, where he's very kind of dismissive and disrespectful of the European Tour and. And like, you know, I would, you know, if I got an invite to a PGA Tour event and did well, and you know, however I did it, you know, got my card in the PGA Tour, I'd love to do that, and I would do it, you know. Um, but not because, you know, 
not because of uh, yeah, I don't like playing in Europe or or whatever. It's it's just like you know the best players do play there, and you know the money's better, and for me the travel will be easier, and um, yeah, we just I would yeah I would certainly would kind of make that is one of my goals is to is to play over here, but I think um, you know like you say you can do do both, and um, I mean like Tommy and and Tyrrell do it they. You know, they they don't have to come back and and play in Europe, but they they do it because they love it, and we have great events, and there are you know a lot of things that the European Tour is, does extremely well, and um, yeah, I think uh, yeah, those kind of comments that uh, Azinger made kind of really annoyed me because even though in some ways he was right, it was just the kind of disrespect and the dismissiveness he, he showed was pretty bad, I thought. Yeah, that was the thing is that I think the overall message that he was trying to get at made sense like he yeah. obviously the fields themselves are the strength of field is generally stronger most weeks um but then they they, they look back and the, the wins that tommy had had yeah. on the european so all stronger than that i think it was a honda classic wasn't it yeah it was that that yeah, they're that all it. stronger than that one field and and you think well actually you, you know you're a, you're a smart man you're a you're a good player and a commentator and things like that you should really think before you speak and it's quite damaging Mm. For a player, I mean, I'm sure Tommy probably was, you know, water off a duck's back. He, you know, yeah, he, he, he just cares care, about but... the fact that whether he won or not. But he he doesn't need to prove to anyone by winning a PGA Tour event. I mean, yeah. if he goes, if you and and him had won that week in the Jura, because he's suddenly a better player because he won a PGA Tour event. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. No, he's not, is he? So, no. Yeah, no. I think that was. I think that was a thing. Is is it's so hard to kind of separate. The quality of each tours and they, they do offer all different things i mean you know go back to kupka he wouldn't have been the player he is today if if he didn't go to the challenge tour on european mm. tour he, he must have picked things up just from playing those sort of events that yeah you know, it was a quick rise and it doesn't happen very often i know they keep looking for the next person that's going to do it and yeah it's it's not that easy um i know pcu line plays both tours um mm. he plays on the web.com a lot as well now and you know it's, it's just it's underestimated how difficult it is. There's different qualities that are needed. We saw yeah. it at the Ryder Cup last year or two years ago now. But, mm. you know, they are the best players in the world, these Americans, but they couldn't they couldn't handle the French Open course that you yeah. actually hit a really good shot at and finished yeah. late two years ago. So how, you know, how can you compare the two? It's not easy to quantify. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, um, yeah definitely, there's definitely an element of kind of different skill sets um, required on... Obviously, the courses vary on both, but you know, generally, the, there is a diff- slightly different skill set required on on the two tours. So, yeah, worked yeah. in our favour in the Ryder Cup, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've taken enough of your time today, Chris. So I'll um, I'll stop us there. I know, obviously, we are all in a lockdown and isolation, and and time's not particularly of the essence as it is. Yeah. But uh, you do still have a family, and you do still have dinner to cook and and things like that. So I'll um, yeah. I'll let you get back to it, and and thank you very much for coming on again. Yeah, no worries, a pleasure as always, Tom. Yep. Yeah, uh, well, we'll catch up soon. Cool. Take care.